Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And in today's Bible study, we are going to be looking at the power of no. So we find that the word no is found in the Bible as follows. We find it 5,587 times in the Old Testament. We find it 2,402 times in the New Testament. Now let us define the word no. The definition of the word no by Merriam-Webster's dictionary is as follows. When used in comparisons in no respect or degree, we find that it is used to express negation, dissent, denial, or refusal. For example, no, I am not going to dinner tonight. Now, we also find that it's also used as, as an adjective. For example, to imply a meaning expressed by the opposite positive statement. For example, in no uncertain terms will I eat pork. We also find that it could be used, it could be used as an interjection to express surprise, doubt, or incredulity. It can also be used as a combination with a verb to form what's called a compound adjective. So, for example, no, bake the pie. Its use and negation can be wordless also. So, for example, she shook her head, no. Biblically, we find that the Bible has 783,130 words, 31 words, I'm sorry. And we find that in the Old Testament, there are 602,580 words. And in the New Testament, there are 180,551 words. We also find that the Bible is divided into two parts. So we find that there are 39 Old Testament books and there are 27 New Testament books. So we find that there's a total of 1,188 total chapters in the Bible. And we find that there are 929 Old Testament chapters in the Bible. And we find that there are 260 New Testament chapters in the Bible. There are 31,102 total Bible verses. In the Old Testament, there are 23,145 Bible verses. And in the New Testament, there are 7,957 Bible verses. So let's take, a, let's take a look at some of the verses that contain the word no in them. So for example, in 1 Samuel 2, 2, and all of these verses that I'll be reading are going to be out of the NIV version. So there is no one holy like you like the lord there is no one besides you there is no rock like our god and in the book of hosea hosea 13:4 but i have been the lord your god ever since you came out of egypt you shall acknowledge no god but me no savior except me luke 13 and verse 3 I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. John 14 and verse 6. And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. John 15 and 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Romans 13, 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Three, third John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Hebrews 8 and verse 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Romans 13 and verse 10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Revelations 3.11 And he says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Bible verses that employ the word no in negation. Let us take a look at that, please. And in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, we see that the Bible records as follows. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And we're talking about is when couples are married that they should not deprive themselves of the intimacy of, of the marriage. Only if the person is doing it to devote themselves to prayer and for a time, and they are supposed to come back together and start having normal relations so that Satan cannot tempt either one of the parties with another person. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Friends, is that is that a, is, is that like striking? And I mean, this is the Lord speaking that Satan himself can masquerade as an angel of light, and that's why he takes so many souls with him. John eight forty four. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Daniel 10 and verse 3, I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Now we find the story of Job, and starting at chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. And then one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. In other words, Satan is telling the Lord 
what the Lord already knows, is that he is roaming the earth constantly from one end to the other, seeing who he can destroy, who he can take with him into the throes of hell. Amen? That's what he's saying. So he's constantly looking for souls, for people that he can devour, that he can use tricks and he can tell them, it's okay to do this and that. God will forgive you. Remember what he said to Eve in the Garden of, in the garden of Eden, my friends. Did Jesus really say you couldn't eat from that fruit? See how cunning Satan is? So then the Lord said to Satan, verse 8, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And when we look at the word upright in the Hebrew, it is the word yasher. And what it means is a person who is straight, a person who is right, and the Bible records the employment of this adjective 120 times. So, verse 9, Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? Have you blessed? You have blessed the work of his hands, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So Satan is telling the Lord, of course Job loves you. You've given him everything. You have your angels protecting his household. He has more flocks and herds than anybody. He's rich. And he's saying to the Lord, but you know what? Let's cause a little mischief in Job's life. And surely he will curse you to your face. And friends, that's true today too. Sometimes we go through trials and tribulations. And I was telling my wife the other day, we have so many days on this earth. And when the trials and tribulations come, my wife told me years ago when we first got married, for she knew the Lord before I did. She says, you know, she says, it's easy to love Christ when things are going good. But it's hard to love Christ when things are not going your way. And this resonates with me as I look at the story of Job. And friends, maybe you too right now are going through a battle in your life. And you have a choice. You can either turn on the Lord, like Satan was hoping that Job would do. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to tighten my belt. I'm going to hold on to the Lord. Come hell or high water. And I will not rebuke the Lord. And let the Lord's will be done, not mine. Whatever God wants for me, I'm going to trust that he has a perfect plan and that everything is going to be okay. But that's your decision. My decision is that no matter what 
difficulties God allows to come into my life, I will not turn my back on Jesus. I will not lose my faith. It strengthens me. It draws me closer to God. Amen? And then the Lord said to Satan in verse 12, Very well then, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. So in other words, God is, 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 is giving Satan the power to touch Job's material blessings, but not his soul, not him. Amen. So we find that we can be tested. And, you know, Satan's on one side, Jesus is on the other, and they're waiting to see how you're going to respond. How are you going to respond when adversity comes to you? Are you going to fear man? Are you going to fear Satan? Or is it going to anchor you into Jesus and say, you know what? I will trust the Lord, come what may come. Amen? Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, let us look at the use of the word no in positivism. Let's look at it as a, as, as a pos, in a positive light. And in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9, it says, Be alert and of a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. God is telling us, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Ephesians 6, 11 through 16, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, what is the full armor of God? The full armor of God is the word of God that we find in the Bible. And we strengthen ourselves by remembering verses. When he comes to attack you, when he comes to put fear in you, you revert back to your verses that you that you have learned and you tell him away from me Satan in Jesus mighty name verse 12 for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms and we're talking about Satan and his angels Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Amen. Wow. If that doesn't strengthen you, friends, I don't know what will. But he's telling you, there's going to come attacks on you. And we're all vulnerable. Maybe I like chocolate and maybe my wife likes peanut butter. And maybe you like oranges. And we're weak to these things. And guess what? Don't forget 
that Satan knows these things. He was an angel. Okay? He remembered that he came into Peter when Jesus had to say, Get behind me, Satan. For he was getting ready to, to, to enter and, and to allow himself to be crucified. He came into Judas Iscariot, as we've covered in our studies. And he betrayed Jesus. Now, Paul's vision and his thorn. Let us look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 10. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. And when we look at this verse, it is a prelude to the book of Revelation, I believe. Because it says, Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. And the word revelations comes from the Greek word apocalypsis. And what it means is that the Lord is getting a shade or a blind or a curtain, and he's moving it back, and he's allowing the apostle to look into what's coming. And he says, And I know a man in Christ who for 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. So we find that there's a first heaven, a second heaven, and a third heaven, which we will cover in, in another study. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Only God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to the was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Verse 5, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. We all have weaknesses, if we're going to be honest, and we all need the Lord to strengthen us. And he's, one of the ways that he strengthens us is through his word. We must be grounded in his word. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool because I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surprisingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of a Satan, and we find that these are angels, and the word messenger can also be trans uh, can be found in the Greek as the word agalos, which is someone who spreads a message. Amen. So, like for example, a pastor is an agalos; he's an angel because he is giving a proclamation. He is delivering a word, in this case, from the Lord. So we find that. Paul tells us here that he has a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of, of Satan to, to, uh, to test me. A thorn in my side is what he says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, Lord. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. 
So when we are weak, when we feel defeated, that is when Jesus' power is made perfect in our weakness because he strengthens us and because he causes things to happen that we have no way of controlling. Amen? And therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Amen. Verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let us read that again. This is why, Paul says, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. So we have to be ready for weaknesses. We have to be ready for insults. We have to be ready for hardships. We have to be ready for persecutions. And, and we have to be ready for difficulties. Because when we are weak, then, I am, then we are strong. Because the Lord will strengthen us. Amen? And you know, friends, so many times I found that lifelong Christians that go to church, when they are confronted with a battle, with persecutions, with difficult situations, they start shaking. But friends, are you not taking these words literally? Do you think that God is just putting things on a Bible for no reason? No. This is like an exam. He's giving us the answers to the questions. And when the questions come, all we have to do is go back and find the answers to the situations that we're in. That's why we need to stay in the Word, and not only stay in the Word, live the Word. And you can't live the Word if you don't go through these trials and tribulations. If you can't see the hand of God helping you when you're in jail, when, you, when, when your wife gets thrown into jail, or your family or you're going through some type of uh, sickness. Friends, hold on to his word. Amen? Acts 4.12 Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Hosea 13.4 but I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me and no Savior except me. In other words, if you think that you're going to serve different gods, that's not going to work with Jesus. Because you see, it's like this. Let me give you this example. As a parent, my wife and I placed our love, our energy, our time, and our devotion to raising our kids. And I tell you this, friends. Uh, at one point in my life, I was a police officer. And I was so blessed that when I would go for work or when I would go to work, I knew that my children were being fully cared for that they were bathed, that they were eating good food, that my wife would protect them. And not 
Everybody had that. I remember that I had co-workers that unfortunately their wives didn't know the Lord. And they struggled because they had been divorced and they had children. And their ex-wives were doing things that were really unholy. And I'm not going to mention any names. But, you know, we have to hold on to the word of the Lord. And today, the reason why I'm doing this message is because there's so many young people that are committing suicide. There's so many people that are addicted to so many different um, traps that Satan lays down. And friends, once he has you in a trap, he's going to keep feeding you what your desires are. Whatever your vice is, trust me, he's going to give you plenty of it to make it almost impossible for you to leave. But see, that's where the power of no comes into play. Remember that the message of this message today is the power of no. And I ask you this, how many of us would be free from alcoholism, substance abuse, pornography, murder, rape, robbery, aggravated assaults? Domestic violence abusers, car thieves, drug lords, of course the expendable drug mules that they get to peddle their drugs and they could care less if you get killed, they'll replace you with somebody else and move on. We also find that people get caught up in the world of envy which is wanting what other people have. And you know, this causes me to remember what my dad told me. My dad went to third grade. He was not a learned man by any means. But this sage advice he gave me, and I have found it to be true. He told me, Jesus, he says, never be envious of what other people have. And I was a little kid. I don't remember how, but... I was a young child. And I said, Pop, why, why would you say that? He says, because you're never going to enjoy what they have. And you're never going to enjoy the little that you have. So you'll always be miserable. And you know what? That was solid advice. When I have neighbors that have more than me, God bless you, friend. May you enjoy it. For I am so thankful that I have everything that God gives me and that I have what money cannot buy. I know that my family and I have eternal life with our Lord and that you can't buy. And hopefully after we finish today's message, if you don't have that, you're going to have it, friends. Amen. We also find that the power of no would free us from anger. And that anger leads to hatred. It leads to racism. It leads to, to hating somebody because they're not what we want them to be. But friends, we're not God. We're not a finished product. 
every day God shows me different things. He lets me hear different things. And I'm sure it happens to you. It's just putting a fine ear to the things that he's, that he's, that he's showing you. The power of no would, would free us from greed. And greed leads to materialism. And at any cost, even at the expense of others. The power of no would free us from gluttony. Eating or drinking excessively, which just destroys us. The power of no frees us from arrogance, which leads to pride. And pride, as we know, was the downfall of Satan, his pride. The power of no frees us from lust, an, an overwhelming craving to satisfy a desire. It also frees us from sloth. And this is very important because, you know, let me give you the definition. Sloth is facing or, or, or failing to put effort into a personal relationship, taking the other person for granted. And you know, friends, we have so many divorces and so many breakups. And sometimes it's because one person's carrying 90% of the load and the other person's doing nothing. There's some persons that, you know, they maybe they work out of town. They come back home. And on their two days off, after driving maybe three or four hours to get back home, then the other half says, well, guess what? We need to go food shopping. You need to wash your clothes. We need to cut the grass. And we need, 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 need. How about if we were to split things? How about if we were to able to help each other? And again, I'm, I'm saying if your schedules allow, help each other. You know, even if, even if you work at night and the other person works during the day, maybe before you go to bed, you can take out the garbages. Maybe you can wash out all the plates. So when your other half comes home, the kitchen is at least clean. All the garbages are done. You know, maybe you can clean the bathrooms on another day. And, but try to find a way, friends, to help each other. Because I'm going to tell you something. You can have all the money in the world, but you can't buy people. And if you have a good-hearted, loving person next to you, protect them. It's better than winning the lotto. You've got a person that, God forbid, you should get sick, is going to care for you. It's going to take care of you. If you pass away, and you have a good person and you have a family member who stays behind. You know that your other half is going to look out for your elderly parents. Treat them with love, with respect, with kindness. Listen to them. We can all learn something from someone. I am blessed that my wife is so smart. And I look at her and she just takes me aback with the things that she can just think of. And I'm blessed to have her in my life and to gain and learn from her wisdom. And you know, saying no would have prevented someone from spending their life in prison. Saying no would 
have freed a young person that was killed in the commission of a crime. It would free someone from gun violence, from, the sec from sexually abusing children, from human trafficking, from gang life, from unethical behavior, from low self-esteem, and like I said at the beginning, from suicide. Now, let me give you and share with you the most powerful, or one of the most powerful words that we're going to use when Satan comes with one of his schemes. And if you're in the middle of any one of those things that I just read, let, it, let us find the ultimate recipe of how we get rid of this. So the ultimate positive use of the word no, we find in James 4, 7. And James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So this is our, this is our magical potion. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what do we do? What do we say? Okay, friends, so here's a recipe to getting Satan to leaving us alone. So when he comes and he tries to put the suicide thought in your mind, when he tells you, hey, there's a nice lady, or hey, there's a nice man, or there's this or there's that, all you have to do, all anyone of us just has to say is, no, Satan, away from me in Jesus' mighty name. And you say this over and over, and every time Satan tries to creep back into your thoughts and lives, and eventually he will flee from you. Amen? So saith to you this day, our Lord and our Lord Almighty, as we find in James 4 7. And friends, find strength in those words. They're not mine, they are crisis. Amen. And I don't know, my friends, if you've ever had Jesus become the Lord and Savior of your life. And I don't know if, you know, like my wife was telling my youngest son the other day, she says, you know, it's not just hearing Christ's name spoken. No, that's not what it's going to save you. Going to church every Sunday is not going to save you. What's going to save you is if you have a relationship with Christ. That's what's going to save you. Remember that in Christianity, it's all about a personal relationship between you and the Lord. Amen? So, I would like to lead you in prayer. And friends, if, if you're caught up in one of these situations, it's okay. You're not alone. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to come into your life. And he wants to usher in hope. He wants to give you salvation. And maybe you're in need of another half, a God-fearing woman, blessed like I am. 
or a God-fearing man, trust Jesus. Put your faith in him and let it not be you who rushes into things. You pray and you will see that sooner or later God is going to provide what you are missing in your life. And he's going to empower you. James 4, 7, read it and read it again. And you keep saying no to Satan and he will flee from you. From those evil thoughts that he's trying to put or that he is putting in your minds daily. Remember, no, away from me, Satan, in Jesus' mighty name. And friends, if you would like to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come before your throne this day. I ask you to please forgive me of all of my sins. Father, this day I ask you to please become my Lord and my Savior. I want to spend eternity with you, God the Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven. And I want to have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen, Lord, and amen. And friends, if you said that prayer, I do believe you were born again. I encourage you to find yourself a good Bible teaching and preaching church. I would encourage you to go and go to a Christian bookstore and sample the Bibles that they have. And it's important that you find a Bible that you can relate to. I want you to look for a Bible that when you read, it's easy for you to understand the meaning of the passage that you're reading. Amen. I would also encourage you that if your schedule permits for you to go to your weekly Bible studies and then go to your sermons on Sundays, take copious notes, bring them home. And before you start breaking or going over all of the information that you got from these, from your Bible studies or from the Sunday sermons, I would ask you to please go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to open your understanding. Ask him to help you remember where those verses were. So if you should come across someone who needs your help, you can turn back into the Bible. Then you know what? It's okay to make a cheat sheet. You know, where you can say, well, this verse says, I read this verse and it has to deal with this. And if you don't know the answer to the question that you're being asked, friends, there's no shame in saying so-and-so. I don't know the answer to that. But would you please allow me the opportunity to research your question and I'll get back to you? Because we want to give people truth. And like I said, there's over 31,000 verses that we just read about in the, in, the, in the Bible. It's really hard to remember all of them. Amen? Friends, I close out today by reminding you that you cannot buy your way into heaven or out of hell. Thank you for your time and the sincere privilege of being able to share Christ with you. And I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast. 
Thank you, friends, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, Lord, and amen, Father.